You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 234. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. It is a hot July day here in Salem, New Hampshire. I just took a nice walk, but... uh, then the sun came out, and I know in the winter you want the sun to come out, but uh, here in July it's like, ouch! That is a that is a hot sun. Anyway, we have a couple of we have a a few interesting things to get to today. Uh, one, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Elon Musk very quickly and Twitter uh, and whether it's happening or not, and then we're going to talk about. Uh, a, a really cool mathematical topic that is something that a lot of people are searching for and getting to my website uh, uh, because of, and that's the, that's called the simplex. So, all right, let's begin. Uh, Elon Musk, uh, according to reports today, or according to to reports from from Elon himself, uh, he says that uh, uh, he is backing out of buying Twitter. And you know, uh, if you remember. Uh, the reports that he was buying Twitter earlier this year was like a huge, um, you know, it, 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 it was it was a huge story because it meant that all of the uh, censorship and the um, kind of uh, really insane, uh, you know, push pull regime of Twitter push pull regime. I guess I'm using that term in the sense of they want the conversation to go a certain way, uh, and they will use their power either explicitly or uh, implicitly as the creators of the, as the managers of the social media site to kind of push things in certain directions. Like, hey, these people should be popular and these people shouldn't be popular, so we'll make it so. And hey, that's uh, that's their right to do it, but uh, it is, uh, you know, they're very... Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're very cagey about it. They say that's not what we're doing. We're free speech, but then that is what they're doing. Anyway, Elon Musk, he, uh, he, he said he was going to put an end to that by buying Twitter. Uh, he, when he announced he bought Twitter, it kind of saved their stock. Their stock was really, uh, the, the, the value of their company had dropped precipitously uh, since 2020, um, into the 30s, and then you know when he announced his buys it buying it, it went up to the 50s. And now that he announced he might be uh, backing out, it is back down to the 30s again. The Twitter board, of course, you know before they didn't want him to buy it. Now they have to say no, no, no. no. He's got to pay up because our shareholders are, are expecting this. The Twitter board now wants him to buy it. Stock crashed considerably, back down to the 30s. Investors think the sale is over, and Twitter censors are emboldened. Um, with the uh, temporary suspension suspension of Dave Rubin, who has been on this show in episode 103. If you remember, he started the uh, uh, the, the, the the social media uh, um, website Locals, and it's also an app. You can get uh, Local Maximum on Locals at uh, maximum.locals.com. I actually signed up because he agreed to do the interview with me. Uh, he tweeted something about someone else getting suspended, and then he got suspended. Really, really crazy stuff. Nothing, uh, you know, nothing to, nothing that was like clearly out of bounds. So um, this is kind of how far they're going. They're sort of in their own world, banning people left and right. They haven't banned me, but I don't have that many uh, followers. And I also don't say things, 
every once in a while I say something where people are like, yeah, I don't know if you should have that up. But for the most part, the, 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 I, I, I haven't been faced with this yet. Uh, so anyway, why is Elon not, uh, 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 not buying Twitter? Uh, you know, some people uh, have uh, suggested that maybe it was kind of all a ploy all along, and maybe he just wanted an excuse to sell his Tesla stocks. He did post a meme. He claims that it's because Twitter won't be is not coming forward with the data on their bots, like how many bots do they have? You know, how many fake bots do they have? Not bots like swarming now, but like kind of uh, fake bots and trolls. How many of their users are actually real value adding users? Um, Twitter says, you know, hey, it's actually very difficult to measure that, and I can kind of um, comprehend, I can understand, I can, um, I can appreciate how difficult it is to, uh, to make that determination, but still, he says that they are not being uh, forthcoming with that information. So he posted a meme with four parts, it's a four-part meme, it's the one where, like, he gets more, uh, it, it's, it has Elon Musk himself, and he has more and more uh, laser eyes in each, uh, each frame. Uh, first one is, they said I couldn't buy Twitter. Number two, then they wouldn't disclose bot info. Three, now they want to force me to buy Twitter in court. Four, now they have to disclose bot info in court. So <laughs> according to that, he thinks that the fact that they're going to go to court to force him to purchase the company means that they're going to have to disclose the info that he wants. Is that what's going, is that uh, actually going to work? Well, it remains to be seen uh, if this actually goes to court or not. Um, my thoughts on Twitter, I asked what happens if Elon Musk pulls out of the Twitter deal? Does Twitter walk off into the sunset with the current management regime and live happily ever after? Uh, for some reason, I just can't see that being the final story. But yeah, what do I know? We can go back to episode 153 on the local maximum, January 2021, called Decentralizing Before Our Eyes, about how these, um, how Sites specifically like Twitter, but all over social media, have lost their mojo, so to speak. Um, one of the alternatives I mentioned there was Mastodon. Um, Mastodon is kind of growing, um, and it's federated. I just haven't seen anything, uh, you know, it, it, it hasn't been growing explosively, and I personally haven't seen a, a use for a specific Mastodon instance. There's certain um, user interface issues there that I have, but it's also interesting to give it a try sometimes. I do have Mastodon. You know, Dave Rubin's Locals, which is not really a, well, it's not really a replacement for Twitter, although people do use it as Twitter, and a lot of people who have been on Twitter are instead just posting to their own people on Locals, and it seems to be you know, localized in a certain sense where you're only, you're not getting all of these bots and all of these crazy people, at least not as much of these voices that come in that like they do on Twitter that you, you don't want coming in. So local seems to be growing well, uh, su surprisingly well. And of course, go to mine, maximum.locals.com. Very, uh, I always get excited when uh, you guys post on that. Um, then, of course, people are going to mention, I have to mention Trump's Truth Social. It's actually taken a, a boost since this news came out because people thought, well, with Elon Musk back in, in Twitter, what, what need is Trump going to have for that? Uh, I tried it for a little bit just to, you know, see what was going on. I had to get off it. You know, it's not all 
conservatives, not all Trumpers. Gavin Newsom is on it now, uh, Democratic governor of California. I don't know why he's doing it, but he's on it. I just don't want this kind of all politics all the time, uh, you know, shouting talking points uh, type of social network. I mean, I used to like on Twitter, you know, I used to look at it from the perspective of remember when that plane landed in the Hudson, Captain Sully, and somebody posted on Twitter that that was going on in real time. That was the original Twitter. That was cool Twitter. And I used to use, I still use, you know, data science Twitter, recommender systems Twitter, machine learning Twitter, stuff that is related to me in my field. But then, of course, you know, all of the all of the shouting kind of um, uh, kind of uh, seeped into it. Um, which has seeped into all areas of life now. I mean, you know, uh, company management often thinks that they have to give you their kind of two cents and what's going on in the news every week. And so, uh, yeah, that 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 happened to Twitter. And that's that Truth Social is almost like that to the nth degree. I don't know if it has the same bot problem that Twitter does. I expect that it does to an extent, but it, it doesn't have, you know, I'm not going to find... Uh, the data science community, the Bayesian inference community on truth social. It's just not going to happen, folks. Um, and so it's not clear what's what's coming up these days. And yet Twitter really is not expanding either. Their growth is not that impressive. So what a wasteland, and, and neither is Facebook, although Facebook kind of expanded to everybody. Certainly in the United States, Facebook is not expanding. Um, if anything, I think it's shrinking. I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. So what a wasteland social media has become. And this opens the question, is this space, the social media space, the microblogging space, as we used to call it for Twitter, is it dead? Are there any truly decentralized players that will take the reign? None have become particularly popular yet. Uh, will all tech, like, you know, Rumble, Locals, uh, will, will, Truth Social, will, will they take the reins? The current era, though, I believe is coming to an end. I believe the current management at Twitter and the way they do things uh, is coming to an end, even if it's the same people who, uh, who have to make some changes, although I doubt it. Usually when, when there are changes, you have also a change in personnel. Uh, but I think it's coming to an end. The sooner, the better. Um, I'm just not sure when. Um, all right. So let me know what you think about that. Not on Twitter, on Locals, maximum.locals.com. Uh, if, if you want to talk about this story, now we're going to talk about simplex. Simplex is a mathematical object. It's a, it's a geometric shape. It's a geometric object. And that simplex is a really cool shape. So the example I give, sometimes you see these in, in business school um, when you have these like project management triangles. I think, actually, let me, let me click through and see what the project management triangle actually is. Scope, cost, and time, and, and quality in the middle. Okay, let, I'm not going to use that. I'm going to use an example I'm going to have you imagine an example that I've heard about with, with software. So imagine that you're developing software for uh, a company or for your boss, and, and you want to try to get started on this project, and you're with your team, and you're trying to figure out how to, you know, what trade-offs to make on this project, how to approach it. And basically, one of the ways you can think about it is you have a triangle with three corners. The corners are labeled cost quality, and time. Cost, quality, and time. Don't worry, this is not a, a business seminar. I'm just using this example as, uh, this is not a project management sem seminar. I'm just using this as an example of the simplex. So uh, we'll, we'll get to other examples. So, it, so, so you have a, a triangle, 
three corners. The top corner, one corner is cost, another corner is quality, and another corner is time. So if you're in one of those corners, then you're maximizing your project for that thing. So let's suppose that you want something for as little cost as possible. You want a shoestring budget. So maybe I'll be in the cost corner, and that means my quality will be low, and also it will take a really long time. Um, number two, let's say if you want to get something in the fastest possible way, and so now you are in the time corner. So you're, you're, you're saving on time, but be prepared to take a hit on quality and be prepared for it to be very costly as well. Uh, probably what you're doing in this case is you're, you, you don't have time, so you're just going to purchase something that exists on the market without much research that might not be exactly um, what you need. So that's, that's going to be a hit on quality, certainly, and it's going to be very costly, but you got it done quickly. And the third example, the third corner, if you want to maximize quality, it's going to take time, and you're going to have to pay good engineers to do that, uh, that software work. And so you could imagine those three corners, and then where you want to be on any particular project is somewhere in the triangle itself. Now, there's kind of sides to the triangle as well. So imagine if you're not in the corner, but you're in the middle of one of the sides, and so you're between two corners that you're like, and you're, you de-emphasize the opposite corner. So this is kind of the, 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 the opposite of what we were doing before. So let's say... Um, let's say there's the cost corner. And so when you're in there, you're trying to minimize cost. Let's say you are on the side of the triangle opposite that cost corner. That means obviously that your software is going to be very expensive because you don't care about the cost, but you're balancing quality and time in that case. So you're not, you're not going all for one and all for the other. You're kind of, you're, you're, you're kind of in, in the middle there. And so likewise, you're going to do that for all the other sides. You can do that. And as you can imagine, of course, if you are in the middle of the triangle, then you are balancing cost, quality, and time. And you can sort of adjust that setting based on where in the triangle you are. If you don't like where you are in the triangle, if you want more of one of those things, you can move closer to its corner. Let's say we don't have a lot of time. You move the time corner, but it's going to mean that the other two metrics are going to get worse. So, you know, they're trade-offs. There's, there's no free lunch. So, obviously, this is not a perfect analogy to what it's like to build software, but the triangle model is sometimes helpful to talk about trade-offs and that's one way you can think about simplexes. Simplexes are all about trade-offs. So in this example, you know, let, let's say you imagine that you have one unit to spend and that one unit is 100%. So you have 100 percentage points maybe and you need to alloc allocate these points to cost, quality, and time. You may have done something similar to that. Um, in, you know, I've played video games where you want to, uh, you know, you have like five aspects for your character, he could be quick, he could be strong, he could be, uh, I'm sorry, I gendered the character, he could be male or female, I guess that wouldn't be, that, that wouldn't be a slider, uh, but, um, you know, imagine there's a number of sliders, um, and so you, you can give your character powers, but you only have a certain amount of, like, juice to allocate between those sliders, um, so, you know, if, if there are three sliders, then that's a three simplex. And so when there are three categories, the configurations, the possible configurations, take the form of a triangle. That's called uh, a two simplex, not a three simplex. I wish it was called a three simplex, but that's because I feel like the nomenclature is one off, but uh, it, it, because I think of it as three numbers. Uh, but 
a triangle is two-dimensional. So it's a two-dimensional object in three-dimensional space. Um, so you can imagine doing this with an arbitrary number of categories. Uh, let's say you're choosing between four or five things. I mean, a lot of, you know, if you're playing a video game and you're trying to allocate, uh, allocate points uh, for your character between different aspects of your character. I used to play things like Rise of Nations where you had civilizations. I think you could do something where you could create your own civilization, but you can, yeah, there were like five or six aspects and you can like, you had 10 points that you had to allocate between them. Um, so, okay, so now that is uh, a three simplex or a four simplex or a five simplex. Now, you're starting to worry that you'll have to visualize four-dimensional shape, but no worries, we can still think of it mathematically. Let's say there are five aspects. It's just five positive numbers that add up to one. And if you want to increase one category, then you have to lower some of the others because there, there's scarcity in terms of allocating these, these priorities. Um, and the vertex, ver vertices of this simplex is simply when one of the numbers is equal to exactly one. In other words, you put all the chips on here and 100% of our priority is in a single category and that means that all the other categories have to be set to zero because we've moved everything to, to this category. It's like, um, you know, in Star Trek, if, you know, you might have to move 100% of the energy to, to life support to, to keep everyone alive. It comes to that. Uh, and of course, for some reason, it always comes to that in Star Trek and they never, they never die, but that's a whole other thing. So the, um, the two simplex is a triangle. The three simplex, if you can imagine it, that is four numbers and there are four numbers that add up to one. It's actually a tetrahedron. Um, if you're listening to the local maximum, you should know what a tetrahedron is. It kind of looks like a pyramid, uh, but the base of the pyramid is also a triangle, so it's kind of got a lot of, of symmetry, and it has four vertices, and so those represent the four, the, the, the four corners now instead of three corners. Um, and then, of course, if you have five corners, well, that's in four-dimensional space. We can't, you know, it's called a five-cell. I looked that up in, um, in, uh, in, in Wikipedia, so I guess the the tetrahedron is a four cell, and the uh, the triangle would be a three cell. At least I hope that's right. I mean, otherwise that's a really weird. Um, I, I like that number though. I think that that's the right numbering system. Uh, but the five cell lives in four dimensional space, so let's not try to visualize it. Don't worry about it. But if you want to visualize five numbers that add up to one, and you know, if you want one number to go up, some other number is going to have to go down. That's easy. Anyone can, can think of it that way. So what about smaller simplexes? Sometimes when you look at um, objects like this where you could get ever more complicated and after three dimensions you lose the ability to, to visualize it but you still have the mathematics and fortunately in this case you still have some way to like grok what's going on. But I find that sometimes when you look at the base cases, the more simp the, the simpler cases, you actually learn a lot more about what's going on. So let's look at the one-dimensional case, the um, one simplex or the two cell. In this case, it's two numbers that add up to one. And so that's pretty easy. You could just think of it as it lives, think of it as the line segment from zero to one. You cut it somewhere and then Everything before that cut is on one side, and everything after that cut is on the other side. The two numbers to add to one lives on a line. Um, can we make it even smaller? How about a single number that adds up to one? That would be a, a one cell. 
Uh, well, yes, you can have a single number that adds up to one, uh, but there's only one way to do that, and that is to make that number one. So it has one vertex, and that just means that you have to prioritize this one thing because that's the only thing you know what to do. Uh, can we make it even smaller than that? Yes, we can. There's a zero cell, uh, 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 a zero-dimensional uh, uh, simplex. That's zero numbers that add up to one. Um, so that's my definition. And can you have zero numbers that add up to one? Well, no, uh, because whenever you add up zero numbers, you always get zero. So the set of... Um, the set of points on the zero cell is the empty set. Um, for those of you guys who are in mathematics, uh, you'll be really excited that uh, I, I just said that. For the rest of you, you're probably like, what are you talking about, empty set? But okay, um, anyway, I, I think there's an empty simplex, and I think it's always an interesting one to, uh, to, to consider. It's almost the impossible case. So that's the simplex. Could be one-dimensional, two-dimensional, three-dimensional. It's all about trade-offs, and... It's, interestingly, it's one of two regular shapes that scales up into an arbitrary number of dimensions. So you could have a 10-dimensional simplex. You could have a 100-dimensional simplex, 100 numbers that all add up to one. You can find some of those, not, not that hard. How about all of them set at one 100th, or one of them set at one and the rest set to zero? Um, the other uh, shape uh, that... Um, scales up to an arbitrary number of dimensions that's regular is the cube or the hypercube. There you get the line segment and then the square and then the cube and then you get more and more complex hypercubes in multiple different dimensions. Um, and so it's usually really interesting to compare the cube and the simplex. Simplexes, they have a connection between every corner because every corner has, you know, one uh, one number set to one, everyone else set to zero, and then you move to another corner by slowly moving the priority of that corner onto another one. Uh, hypercubes, uh, they uh, the more dimensions a hypercube has, the more travel time you might have between corners. Obviously, if you just think of a square, you know, if you think of a, a triangle, every point in the triangle connects to every other point. Same with the tetrahedron. If you think of a square. Not every point in the square can, you know, the, if you look on the diagonal, you can't connect one line to another, uh, one, one vertex to another. And then the cube, it gets even worse because if you look at the pure diagonal on the cube, like the, the most, the, not, not the diagonal on the face, but the, the harsh diagonal that goes all the way through the cube, uh, that requires uh, you travel three times to get from uh, one vertex to another if you're traveling along the edges. Um, and, you know, the bigger the cube is, the, the more the possible travel time is. Another way to think of it is this. You know, in a simplex, all the numbers are between 0 and 1, and they add up to 1. And for the hypercube, all of the numbers are between 0 and 1, and they have no other constraint whatsoever. And the vertices of a hypercube is where every dimension is set to either 0 or 1. So now you can see why... Uh, sometimes it's, um, you know, you're, you're on a vertex of a hypercube if all of the dimensions are, you, you are essentially uh, are, are zeros and ones. So it might be zero, zero, one, one, zero, one, one. And then in order to travel to another vertex of the hypercube, you have to flip some of those bits. 
And so the, the number of bits you have to flip is how, how far you have to travel. So interestingly enough, if you think about it this way, uh, hypercube has, is a list of numbers between 0 and 1. Simplex is also a list of numbers between 0 and 1, but now they have to add up to 1. So in some sense, every simplex lives inside the cube. It's like a certain set of points that are inside the cube, or I should say hypercube, because it includes square, and then it includes you know, higher dimensional cubes. So that is the simplex. What do you think about the simplex? Does, does, that, uh, does that give you something to think about in terms of higher dimensional geometry? Does that give you something to think about when you're allocating uh, time and resources to different priorities? Let me know, maximum.locals.com or localmaxradio.gmail.com. I'm really interested in this subject. Uh, and it's also a favorite subject on the internet, believe it or not, because this is the page that everyone uh, searches to find uh, to find localmaxradio.com. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I'd like to know what you think. Why is this such a cool concept? Um, I I think it's a really cool concept. So, that gets into the first item of our segment of probability distribution of the week. Last week with Aaron, uh, we announced this new segment, Probability Distribution of the Week, and we went over what a probability distribution is, but we didn't actually start with one. And we're going to start with a very simple type of probability distribution. You might have thought you'd be expecting a curve, maybe a normal distribution, something regular like that. Nope, not at all. As we said last time in episode 233, a probability distribution is just a way to assign, you have mathematical space, and you want to assign pieces of that space uh, to probabilities. But let's take a really simple space. Let's just say it's like a finite list of events. Or if you're thinking in terms of probability theories or hypotheses, let's just say you have like a finite list of hypotheses that you think might be true. Maybe it's Two things you're, you're trying to you think either A is true or B is true. Maybe you're just trying to decide between ten things. Fine, but it's like a small finite list. Uh, in social media, it could be the list of emoji reactions uh, that the user is trying to pick. You know, what's the probability that they pick each one? Maybe there's a ten percent chance that they pick the poop emoji. Maybe there is a twenty percent chance that they pick the heart emoji, and so. This is nice, it's finite, and so by doing this, we don't have to use calculus at all. We don't have to use any fancy math. You know, we know how to add use two events. If poop is 10 and heart is 20, the probability of uh, them choosing an emoji in the set poop or heart is, uh, is 30% because we just add them up. So um, a categorical ed, uh, distribution is just a probability distribution uh, any probability distribution assigned to a finite list of events, a list of categories. And by the way, if you want to pick categories, that's a great way to simplify a problem. So if you don't want to use continuous space, continuous space can mess things up. It can make things overly complicated. You just bucket it into categories, and, uh, and you could use categorical distributions. So really, the categorical distribution, you could just think of it as a list of numbers, probabilities, that are assigned to each category that add up to one. A list of numbers that add up to one. Wait a minute, where have I heard this before? Yes, that's right. The possible categorical distributions on a finite set of events 
actually lives on a simplex. Imagine that. So <clears throat> categorical distributions, they have a special role in probability. The probability of several disjoint events uh, that cover the whole space, uh, the corner uh, uh, the vertex of this uh, simplex, it represents the certainty of one event. So we're going to say that we have 10 hypotheses, but now we're 100% sure of this one, and the rest of them are impossible. We assign them at 0%. Now, usually in Bayesian inference, you don't want to do that, but you want to keep that case in your back pocket to, to discuss it. So it's kind of, it's just like in the software example. Uh, again, where you're, 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 you're moving around in your priorities, except now instead of prioritizing, you're talking about probabilities. Okay, so just to round out what, what we've learned about the categorical distribution, here's what I wrote a couple of years ago for the categorical distribution on localmaxradio.com slash questions. A categorical distribution is just a probability distribution over a finite number of categories. As one of the simplest distributions, a categorical distribution can be represented by a finite sequence of numbers that add up to one. Usually the number of categories is taken to be the k, the variable k, and can be ordered from zero to k minus one. The ordering does not in general have any meaning in terms of the relationships between the categories. In other words, it could be like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide between level one, level two, level three, level four, you know, what, 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 uh, what, what, what course is this person going to take? And, and you know there's some kind of ordering on the levels, but when you're considering a categorical distribution, you're ignoring all the orderings. So the ordering uh, does not in general have any meaning in terms of the relationship between categories, but is simply a method to name them. Under this convention, a categorical distribution over a space of K categories can be specified with K non-negative numbers that add up to one. And as I say positive numbers, but actually, and I hate this in math, you have to say non-negative numbers because it's like, oh, it could be zero. Ah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, very, very tough term. All right, uh, maybe it's not that tough, but it's sort of, I always say positive. Uh, categorical distributions are among the most common probability measures and can be used to model many situations. One drawback is that no internal structure is given to the categories. If the number of categories is small, simply listing out the probabilities or searching the space, you know, um, drawing a sample from the space is simple. But if it is exponentially large, then that lack of structure could make the space unwieldy. So like I said, the probability simplex is the most searched for page on localmaxradio.com, and now you know why the probability simplex contains all the possible categorical distributions. Check out the locals once again at maximum.locals.com. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support the local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at maximum.locals.com. The local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.